Now we're going to look at the third module that we're, uh, where we unpacked all of facets and put them into three mo modules. This one is facilitationship, facilitationship, facilitating discipleship. And let me share with you what we're going to get in uh, tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, depending on how long it takes. Uh, but first of all, I want uh, you leaders to know, um, you know, what Paul implied and what Paul spoke to us about our responsibilities. And we'll hit that a little. I want to recognize you for who you are, for God. And I want to tell you how you fit into the system, uh, the discipleship system, and what a pivotal role you play in the discipleship system. I want to uh, talk to you about what facilitation is, what it, what it means, what's involved in facilitation. And then I want to talk to you what I, about what I call the great crossovers, the crossovers, transitions that are critical in ministry and in the discipleship of those that we facilitate. Then I want to talk to you about cultures, a compliant and a commitment culture, because your responsibility will be to facilitate us out of a compliant culture and into a commitment culture. And then I want to speak to you about some mindset changes that are important for you to have to be able to properly disciple others. And conflicts, there are, yeah, some potential conflicts and some things that we have to overcome. And then uh, some of the active actions that, facil that facilitators take, specific actions. And then how to facilitate teamwork, what's involved in doing that. We'll go through some steps. So you can literally see what it entails. And then at the end, we'll talk about uh, one other crossover opportunity for those that we disciple. So, and for you, too. So let me share a few things then, as I said, uh, that Paul shared with us. Uh, some he implied, and uh, I'm taking from the Message Bible, but some he implied, and some that he uh, specifically stated. But uh, what we know about God and what we do for God have a way of getting broken apart in our lives. There's much work to be done. We are participants in this most, most urgent work. And what leaders are involved in doing is continuing the succession plan of Christ. That's what we're doing. And you're, you're a key part of it. Because the succession plan is not going to succeed to any great degree if it just involves the CEO and what he can pull off here. So your responsibilities as facilitators in the discipleship system uh, is critical. And so we're about facilitating the succession plan of Christ. And you're a key ingredient. In, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, he said, Now pass on this counsel. You're passers-on of the counsel you've received. 
to the followers of Jesus there, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. A disciplined life in God, so you will be modeling discipline. You'll be, you'll be a, a Bible for anybody that you interface with or interfaces with you. Teach all these things. Teach all these things. Teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. All believers. And stay at your post giving counsel and teaching. Stay at your post giving counsel and teaching. And then in Timothy, 2 Timothy, um, he says, he gives us a little bit of counsel. And he says, so my son, throw yourself into this work, Timothy, Tim, part of the Timothy process. So my son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you heard from me. Pass on what you've heard previously in your life. Your responsibility is to pass it on. Pass on what your pastor has taught you. Pass on what you've gleaned from others. Pass on from all those people that have impacted you in your life. Your responsibility is to pass it on. You, God doesn't give us anything that he doesn't expect us to share, including our own wisdom, knowledge, understanding. So, my son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you heard from me. The whole congregation saying amen. Amen. I didn't write this. <laughs> to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. So this whole thing is that the succession plan of Christ is simply passing along to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. That's, that's assess, that essentially describes what the process is that, we're, that you and we and all of us are a part of. Continue in the succession plan of Christ. Uh, he also instructs, be a gentle listener. A gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool. Working firmly, but patiently. Cool, firm, patient, with those who refuse to obey. What leaders do is model what the Holy Spirit models for us. You've got to learn to kick and hug. The Holy Spirit will hug us and tell us you're special, and he'll pick us up and dust us off and say it's okay and I love you, and he'll wrap his arms around us and encourage us and tell us how special we are. And, how much, and the next minute, he could be kicking us, saying, I thought you said you were going to make a change. I thought. So it's discipline. It is discipleship, and the Holy Spirit models that. Be a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly, but patiently with those who refuse to obey. See, leadership is about getting people to go where they don't want to go, do what they don't want to do, get up when they don't want to get up, obey when they don't want to obey. But there's tools to do that. And we've been learning a lot of them here in the last two days. How many days have we been here? <laughs> Two, last two days, we've been learning. You never know how or when God might sober them up. Listen, you'll never know when God might sober them up. See, it's not our responsibility to make them change. It's our, our responsibility to plant the seeds. We plant the seeds. God will grow it in his season, 
in his way with perfection. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. I can't tell you how many times I've, see, I've seen people tell their pastor, or I've heard the pastor tell me that they resisted. And some of my elders are resisting this thing. What should I do? I said, well, do you believe in it? Yes. Well, then you better plow forward. You better keep going if you believe in this. Or some of my leaders are saying, well, this isn't really Christian. And so, you know, so, so I need to keep unity. And since one out of a bunch don't agree with this, I want to keep peace and unity. What? Where do we come up with that? So we can't compromise. And, and what, what I was about to say about what I read might sober them up with a change of heart and turning to the truth. So many pastors have told me, and some of them are sitting here, so many pastors have told me that, you know, when we first, some people checked out. No, 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 that's, no, no. But then when they see how productive it is, when they see how much fun people are having, being on teams, doing something critical and important for God, then they come back. They say, I made a mistake, Pastor. I'm sorry. I didn't see it that way. Yeah. Will everybody? No. Not everybody, but many will come back because they, the, they see the light. Now, for leaders, and I, 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 I share this early. I shared this earlier. Um, no, I did not. Not this one. This service that you perform, what you do for Christ under the, under the tutelage of your pastor, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, you're meeting the needs of God's people. And we're going to be able to meet more needs when you facilitate the discipleship into others. We will be able to meet more needs with your help. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God, God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So it's a form of worship, what you do. I would submit that it's a higher form of worship than this, where we get spirit bumps, and that's, that's as good as, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, but to commit a portion of your life to make the sacrifices that all of us in this room make, um, that, that's a high form of worship. I don't, I don't want to get into doctrine here, whether it's the highest form of worship, but I would say it's right up there. One of the highest forms of worship is service for him. You are true worshipers, you leaders. You understand your responsibility to worship him by loving others, by serving the needs of others with your time, energy, and commitment. You've taken risks, you've made sacrifices, you've put others first. You have sown a portion of your life to his kingdom work. So all we're doing tonight is just expanding your horizons and, and challenging you like I've been challenging the pastors and you all the, the days we've been here is to just let's go to another level. Let's have a new mindset, a mind shift. Let's, let's make a disciple shift in terms of the way we see things and the way we function because you're already awesome. But now, the system, this is a discipleship system, so it require, there are certain key ingredients. And we've covered them, but let me synthesize them here. 
And these are, these are critical components of the discipleship system or a system of discipleship based on these, the premise of these three things. One is all individuals lead at some point with the right discipleship. All individuals lead. I mean, I could scroll that bite back and say, you're a leader when you're born again. How you live your life is leading people into the kingdom or out. So you're leading from the get-go. But we're talking about service for God in the ministry. But in this system, all individuals are expected, encouraged, exhorted, and discipled to lead, to serve God initially, and then use that experience eventually to lead others by discipleship, example setting, and directing and discipling others. Then another key component is that all leaders are change agents. This is the key change agent right here. But then we're all we're cultivating more leaders to have faster change by having more change agents. All leaders are change agents in this scriptural system. All leaders are required to lead constructive change toward God's desired future. You're part of it. You're part. This the pastor or the CEO of the ministry is leading the whole ministry. But you have a component part, a facet of the ministry to lead, and you are a change agent in that area. In this scriptural system, all leaders are required to lead constructive change toward God's desired future. His individual mandates directed toward the vision in accordance with the mission, the purpose for which the ministry exists, and you are assigned. And then um, the third component part is that all leaders are disciples disciplers and disciples so we we are discipled we never stop learning we never arrive so a leader leader must continually learn to continually to keep pace with the demand to keep up with the things that God's teaching us and to continue to be better and better we never arrive so we're we must be discipled we must be disciples and then we are disciples. In this system, everyone has the responsibility to be part of a ministry somewhere, somehow, in discipling others. To lead is to disciple. To disciple is to lead. Discipleship is taking mistakes, learning from them, modeling the change for others. Discipleship is sharing the failures, learnings, changes, tools, techniques, and skill sets that we acquire with other people like Paul just instructed it. Discipleship by giving people responsibility, opportunities to grow and helping them learn from experience. We talked earlier today, you remember, those of you that were here, we talked about empowerment ship and then performance ship and now facilitation ship to become more valuable for God. Take heed to the ministry that you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it, but now we need to make a transition from not only you fulfilling and taking heed to the ministry you've been given, but now taking heed that we minister discipleship to others so they can fulfill. We can take heed to what they've been given to do for God, to help them reach their purpose and destiny called discipleship. So what would be a way to describe what facilitation is? Well, a couple of cuts at it here. Um, facilitation comes from the stem word to make facile, which means to make easy. Easy for what? 
easy for people to contribute to building God's work. That, that probably sums it all up, but it makes it easy for people to contribute to building God's work. So easy to, easy to get involved, easy to contribute sitting here with you as the leader. Now, not the CEO anymore, you're here. This is your chair. And you're making it easy for people to share their wisdom and their counsel and their understanding. Ready, ready and quick in performance. So you're, you're making it easy for people to be ready and quick in performance, their performance. Easily achieved or performed. So an ease of accomplishment is what you're facilitating. That we're going to get much done for Christ easily, efficiently, because of your facilitation skills. And they're acquired. It's not something you're going to have day one. None of us had these things day one. You have to acquire them. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and thereby in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom. We're going to grow in wisdom it's as long as we keep learning from our mistakes. That's all. That's why we celebrate noble failure. Facilitation to minimize expenditure or effort. Another way to cut at it. Make it easy and, and efficient in, in terms of even expenditure. Looking for the expedient and efficient route. And then freedom from impediment. So what does that mean? Well, we bump into obstacles. They're going to bump into obstacles. We talked earlier about um, being the AAA roadmap where, you know, you warn people of impediments. You know, the bridge is out or there's construction or whatever. So a facilitator is making it easy for people to succeed. Okay, so this is just a little bit of an overview, but to make easy, to make facile. Now, what are we facilitating? Well, I listed a couple things here. I jotted them down. But the mission, you're facilitating the mission. We're facilitating the vision, the mandates. You know, I'm not writing these things on the board, but I think it will, we can get more in if, if, I, just, if I cite them here. Um, I'll probably write some things up there, but mission, vision, mandates. We're facilitating the mandates God gives us, the, the arrows that he keeps pouring into the funnel of our organization or your department. That funnel represents anything. It can represent the entire ministry. It can represent a component department or a division of departments. It can represent any entity that we ascribe it to, but it's the funnel. The mouth of the funnel is the in, where the input comes, and God is pouring his mandates into the ministry at large or into your department. Mission, vision, mandates, standards. We have core values. Jesus had core values. And your pastor has core values that God told him and gave him. And so it's our job to administer the standards and to hold a righteous standard. There's a, there's a 
misconception in the body of Christ and in a lot of organizations too. It's just not in ministry. But there's a misconception that the pastor's in charge of the righteousness here. Well, and we got all this leaven occurring down here. And, well, we got to tell the pastor about it, you know? I mean, I see, oh, my gosh, look at that leaven there. Well, pastor, we got leaven over here. No, you handle it. You take care of it. That's, that's how we uphold. He doesn't see half of that. And when he's in the right position, which many are now, he, he's not going to see all that. You see it. Righteousness, unrighteousness. Accountability. This isn't easy because, you know, to hold your peers accountable or your fellow, some, sometimes they're friends. It's hard for pastors to hold longtime friends accountable. And it's hard for longtime friends to respect their pastor. I, I've, I've seen a lot of that. You know, well, I mean, I call him Joe. You know, well, okay, if he likes being called Joe, that's fine. But that's usually a red flag for me many times. Um, accountability, I mentioned that. Fundamentals of the system. We have to facilitate the fundamentals of this system. So, in other words, we have to teach this system to others. It's not just the pa when pastor puts the product up there, the DVDs on the screen, and we're all learning, that's nice. But then you're going to reinforce them, and you're going to continue to teach them. And the fastest way people learn is what? When they do. They, when they speak it into being, when they actually have to teach it, then they t learn more. So you'll be given the opportunity to teach the system to others. That's, a, that's part of the assignment. Expectations of behavior, the ones we talked about, building a team, delegating, being honest, being honest. All those things are what you facilitate the proper execution of. Communication. How, how you facilitate the communication, and I modeled a lot of that here today. I don't know how many of you weren't here today uh, that are here tonight, but we, we talked a lot about how to facilitate communication here. Most of it is by what? Asking questions and then listening with our heart. Facilitation ship. Okay, then um, success. You're facilitating their success. That's number four in the job description. Facilitating their success. So you're doing your part in partnership and relationship to help them be successful. And then resources to be successful. So we're, we're giving them the resources to be successful. The, if, they, if, they, if their plan requires expenditures or their plan requires uh, training or their, re their plan requires any kind of a resource and we have to supply that if we approve the plan. And then time. You're facilitating time. You're a good facilitator of time. You run an efficient, effective meeting. And I don't have time to go through that now, but it's, it's uh, in the basic training. It's in the, in, in your pastor can teach you how to how to facilitate an effective meeting with an agenda, with, a, with a timing things out, with action items, and having an executive summary 
where everybody around the table reports in for five minutes. And in five minutes, you get an honest evaluation of the entire ministry. That's how the pastor takes the pulse. We, there's three things I don't think we've mentioned in this meeting. But the, the spiritual job description, and I've mentioned the, the literal CEO job description a number of times. Once more quickly, provide direction, obtain plans, ideas, and recommendations, commission the work, provide success, and obtain evaluation. But the spiritual job description is the responsibility of the leader to protect his own and for the responsibility of us who serve the leader to protect their anointing. Do whatever it takes to protect the anointing on the leader, whomever we are serving. And then secondly, to do whatever it takes to accomplish the vision that God gave them. I know we didn't even cover this as part of the basic training, but that, this is what God taught me. When he sent me to work and report, for, report to, work for him in the kingdom, and report to a pastor, I said, what do I do to serve this man of God? I've served an admiral, two fortune billion dollar CEOs, but I've never served a man of God. What, what are you going to hold me accountable for to serve this man of God? And he told me these three things. You do whatever it takes to protect the anointing on his life. Whatever it takes. In other words, you give him ideas and plans and you, t you grapple with, with solutions for things. To, to, to not, not body slam anybody who gets close to him. That's not... <laughs> You know. <laughs> do whatever it takes to protect the anointing on his life. Secondly, he said, you do whatever it takes to accomplish the vision that I gave him. To accomplish the vision I gave him. I gave him the vision, but I'm holding you accountable to make it happen. Make it happen. And then thirdly, he said, you put the methods, systems, and processes that I've taught you at that point, 35 years, three and a half decades, he said, you put those in place in this ministry so that he can take the pulse of the ministry, but he doesn't have to be involved in everything. You have to attend every meeting, read every memo, make every decision, solve every problem, fix everything. He can sit here and take the pulse, and the quickest way you take the pulse is you have everybody report in for five minutes, and they're honest. So in 25 minutes, if it's three minutes, it's 15 minutes. If it's five, it's 25 minutes. But you got the pulse. You know what you need to know. What, like the, when you go to the emergent care, what do they do? They take your pulse, right? They want to know, are you alive and well? That's what the pastor needs to know. Are we alive and well? Are we achieving for God? Remember the box here? Results and behavior. Are we achieving for God, and are we functioning in excellence, professionalism, righteousness? He needs to know that. But he doesn't need to know all the other details, how hard it is to do your job. And he doesn't need to know that. He just wants to know, is it done? <laughs> and people have a tendency to want to tell you leaders, you know, that serve you, they'll want to tell you how hard it is to do what they do. Well, that's, that's nice, but my job's hard too, and his is harder. So, you know, let's just get it done. Okay, then, um, where were we? Time, guidance, mentoring, 
guidance and inspiration, keeping them motivated. The fastest way to do that is let them contribute. Give them something of value to contribute to. That's the fastest motivator. Give them some experiential empowerment. We went over that. What, what's, what's the essence of why we need these skill sets and art forms? Because the essence of it all is Matthew 28. Go out and train everyone. Instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. Instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. Go out, get them, and teach them. So leaders are facilitators. One of the greatest problems facing ministries today, and I mentioned this earlier several times when we had the chair over here, I said one of the greatest problems we have in ministry is the weakness or the undiscipledness. It's not the person's not weak. The discipleship's been weak, so therefore they're not very skilled and are very artful in what they do because they haven't been properly discipled. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. But it is one of the greatest problems facing ministries or any organization is the weak or underdeveloped or underdiscipled leader here. So they, the, the facilitation skills must be taught. And we're going we're gonna to hit on some of those tonight, tomorrow, when, whenever, however, whenever we get to it. Now, I mentioned earlier, we're going to hit on crossovers a couple times, maybe three different times. But I, right now, I'll just, I'll just mention to you, what do I mean by a crossover? Well, there are times when we, ha remember ye uh, yesterday or today, when we, we cross over from individual functioning to, and being successful ourselves, to helping other people become successful. That's a crossover. That's a disciple shift. And, but there are, there are crossovers all along the way. And as leaders, we must help or facilitate people their ability to cross over. What's, what's one big crossover we have? In, the first big crossover, essentially, we have in ministry is to help people get involved, get, make a commitment, be a, become a member, get to a point of training where they can contribute, right? Where, where we can, we've trained them enough just to entry-level leader to contribute to God's work here. So... A lot of people, they don't want to cross over to become a member. No, no, just let me sit there. Leave me alone, right? Well, that's a challenge. We don't override people's will, but that's a crossover, right? That's a challenge that we face. Not the leader, you know, here, the, but those that have that responsibility. That, so, so the first crossover is crossing over from just an attender to being a member. Maybe, maybe the first crossover is to getting them to stay here. That may be the first one, just you know, assimilate them in. We're not real good at that, 10 to 15%. But the crossover to become a member. Then the second one, when they come out of the leadership pipeline, they get plugged in to a team. I don't want to be on a team, you know, just, uh, just I'll bake cookies, but I don't want to think, you know. Well, we need your help. So we need people on, on a team. 
Then the next crossover would be they're on a team, but then we need somebody to go, take, go from this team and lead another team someday. Uh, you know, I just like being on the team. You know, I wasn't born a leader like you. Nobody's born a leader. Jesus grew in wisdom. You know, we acquire. Here's a, good, here's a good thing to do. I've done this many times. It's so simple, but this may help. Your people are going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not like you and pastor, you know. I'm not, I wasn't born a leader, you know. Well, just explain to them, you know, we were all just born. But here, think about, <laughs> think about, think about right now. Just let's do this quick, and then you can do it better when you have your people. But think about the person that had the greatest impact on your life. Okay? Or you can think about two or three. You can do it with three if you want, but right now it'll save time. We can just one, okay? Now, you got that person in mind. This is not a test, so whatever you came up with is good. And then what is the one word that you would ascribe to them that caused you to pick them? as somebody who highly impacted your life. What's that one word? And if I were to ask you to offer me all those words, we would fill up this board and we could fill up three more. And there wouldn't be one thing on that board you're born with. Yet these are the people that had the greatest impact on your life. That's what leadership is, is impacting people's lives for God, for his glory, in our case, for his glory. But you could write them all up there. Oh, they, they had trust. They were... All the, what, what are some words you thought of? Some of you, quick. Integrity. integrity. Yep, integrity. You're born with integrity? No, you acquire. You learn at it. You blow a few occasions there, and then you learn. Somebody says, that's no integrity. Your mother, your grandmother, your grand. You, you found out about integrity real fast, but you weren't born with it. What's another one? Passion. passion. Yeah, oh boy, yeah, we're all born with passion. Yeah, I mean, it's in your DNA, but you develop it. Everything is developed. Okay, that's the point. Then team leader, then what? Then to be a leader of leaders. Now you need to lead a whole bunch of team leaders. Now, you're, now we, need to be, we need to have generalists. We need people that can lead anything, because you're going to lead perhaps still an area you're you're gifted in, experienced in, or like, but now you have to lead in areas you're not experienced in. So you need to have better capabilities of leadership. That's why we develop leaders instead of silos. And, and uh, if I get to it, I'll tell you some of the dangers of lead, just leaving people leading only what they like or feel they're equipped. You can do all things through Christ. Not just capable to do whatever you like. And then a core leader, somebody who would sit here on the A-team, a core leader, who's leading the whole... This, this team right here is leading the whole ministry. The whole... That's the key. I, I, didn't, I don't know if I said that yet, but the key is one team leads the entire ministry. We don't have, you know, this meeting and then another ad hoc meeting over here and then on Thursday... You know, 7 p.m. we meet with some other group, and then no, right here we run. Now this may not be possible day one, but we'll. And the same is true for your team. You run your whole department from one meeting, 
You say, well, what about the volunteer? Well, find a time when you can get together. You have to be sensitive to their schedule. We can't meet every week. If we have everybody on staff, then we can meet all the time. We can meet, one, well, not all the time. Once a week is enough. But then with volunteers, it will be less frequent because they have other responsibilities, and we're sensitive to that. Okay, the best, most productive, highest performing individuals most often have the toughest time crossing over. What? Did you hear that? The, let me read it again. The best and the most productive, highest performing individuals often have the toughest time, often means not everybody, but much of the time, have the toughest time making the crossover or the transition. Why, why would that be? They want to keep doing what made them successful up to this point, they, or what gave them recognition. So in other words, in my career, I was recognized rapidly for this achievement, and then they moved me up here to do something that was foreign to me. To why? To build, to make me a generalist, to to see if I could lead in areas where I was not familiar, and not to see, but to be able to give me opportunity and exposure to learn. But you know, here's I, I didn't want to move there because this was working. You know. I was getting recognized here, and they're saying, you're a great leader, so we need to move you up here, you know, but we hang on to what made us great, so to speak. You know, so did you hear what I said? So why? They want to keep doing what got them there or the, for the recognition or the success that they've had. As a result, they move in responsibility. They make, make the shift, but they don't change the behavior. So they're still doing over here, even though they're the, the facilitator. Are, are you getting this? No, okay. They did a lot of doing over here. Now we move them over here to lead others, but they're still doing. Because that's what worked over there, and that's what they're comfortable doing. And remember the orchestra leader, many of you, in the basic training. You know, it's just more comfortable over there than up here. Nobody really told me how to do this job, so I keep running around playing the instruments in the orchestra because I feel, you know, I feel that's what I have to do, and I'm feeling more comfortable there. So this is about making a leader shift to discipleship, and it requires a behavior crossover. So crossing over, let's do it again. I alluded to it, but let's unpack it a little bit. Individual servant contributing yourself. You have a gift, you have a skill, you have an interest, and you have a knack here. You take assignments and direction, and you get it done in, the, in a good manner, and you get it done on a timely basis. So people like you, and they appreciate you, and there's value, and you're recognized here for that. By becoming more competent and capable and making increased contributions here, you become more and more valuable. That's good. This, this is good, but the focus is on individual contribution, individual productivity, individual effort, and so forth. Then when you do it well, you're given more, and your individual capacity increases. 
But now we're making a transition to being a facilitator of others. So it required, pa the pastors had a challenge, many of them, to make that transition. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. And we all do. I hated the job that I had. Why? Because I wasn't any good at it. And I had military training and American Management Association classes and all. They never told me how to just facilitate people and how to hold them accountable and how to be honest and straight and give them assignments without guilt. You know, they never taught me any of that stuff, so I wasn't very good at it. I'd go through, I've told many of you, I'd go through Grand Central Station on my way home from work. I hated, I hated going through there go to work, dreaded it, and I, I, I was motivated by money, so I kept doing it. But, you know, that's why 22,000 pastors quit. They've never been taught how to do the job. So many of these have said to me, you know, I'm so sick and tired. I know what to do, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> 